And dear Christian friends, 450 to 1, that was the ratio of soldiers that Gideon was leading into battle against the Midianites and surrounding nations. There is no commander, no general in, in history, no strategist that I can imagine would ever go into a battle with the deck stacked against him like that. There's no chance, there's no plausible way that that lopsided of an arrangement could ever result in victory, especially keeping in mind when this battle was being fought in, in times that predated the technology that we have today, when, when wars, when combat was hand to hand. 450 to 1. 300 soldiers to 135,000. Nobody in his right mind would go into that situation anticipating victory for those 300, that army, if you can even call 300 an army. But you see, that's exactly what God did. Because God can do a lot with a little. And he shows us that. He gives us that confidence as we look at this account of Gideon Today, the judge that he raised up to rescue his people, who once again had fallen back into that same cycle of waywardness after a period of rest that God had given them. But before we, we jump back to Gideon, I, I want to make sure that, that there's an application that the takeaway significant to you today. And so I want you to consider, we talk about God doing a lot with a little, the areas of your own life, where you find yourself thinking that you don't have enough or that you aren't enough or that you are insufficient or that God needs something more from you before he can, can use you. Now as you reflect in whatever area of your life that might be, now ask the question, is it really that, that you are or you have too little? Or is the real issue that you think too little of God to be able to do anything with it? The fact of the matter is that God can use nobodies to accomplish his will. We are actually introduced to just that sort of individual in the account of Gideon. If you look back earlier in chapter 6, we're introduced to him, and Gideon is, quite frankly, a nobody. The Lord comes to him, and we don't find Gideon decked out, ready in battle army, army armor to charge his army into victory, to glory. We don't see him sitting on some stately throne, giving rules, ruling over people in his palace. We find Gideon, and he's doing something trivial, something menial. He's threshing grain, something that every common individual did. But he's not even doing it in a common way. He's, he's doing it inconspicuously, hiding himself in a wine press. Why? So as not to be seen by the Midianites, who had been brutally oppressing the Israelites. So he knew that if he would be discovered threshing grain, they would come and they would either burn it or steal it and, and take everything else from him and continue with their brutal oppression. So this is where the Lord comes to him the first time, simply carrying out every ordi everyday ordinary manual labor and listen to the exchange between the Lord 
and Gideon. It's recorded earlier in chapter 6 for us in verses 14 and 15. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Gideon wasn't quite sure that the Lord had the right man. Lord, who am I that that you would pick me? Are are you sure I'm a nobody who comes from a no-name clan? I'm insignificant. That might sound familiar to you. It might sound very similar to the reaction that another leader God used in the past had when the Lord came to him. Moses, the burning bush, telling Moses that, that he was going to use him to deliver his people out of Egypt. And what was Moses' response? Very similar to Gideon. Who am I? Are you sure you got the right guy? Find somebody else. Send somebody else. I'm a nobody. Well, that's just it. That's how God has always operated. He has in the past used nobodies to get his work done, and he's going to in the future continue to use nobodies. Can you relate to Gideon in that regard? You can. You don't have to answer it because I know you can. Different seasons of life, different stages of life, you have felt exactly as Gideon did. I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified enough. I don't measure up to get this done or that. I'm not ready to embark on this new journey as a freshman in high school. I know I was hired for this job, but I don't know that I'm really actually cut out to to do it, to carry it out. This new child in my family, who am I? I'm not a parent. I have no qualifications that would would say I'm a mom or dad that's fit for this. This marriage that is, is struggling and straining, who am I that I'm going to be able to keep it together? Serve as a leader in my church? No, surely you must mean somebody else. Different seasons, different stages of our lives, we have all been Gideon in that regard. And we have thought of ourselves as nothing more than a nobody. Do you know why you you often find yourself thinking that way about yourself? Well, because it's true. You are a nobody. You were a nobody. And so was I. In fact, actually, that's not entirely true. You were worse than a nobody. See, a nobody would have been neutral. A nobody would have been content to simply remain anonymous and fly under the radar. But when you were born into the world, when I was born into this world, because of the sin passed on to us, we weren't just neutral. We weren't just nobodies. We were actually enemies, hostile to God, opposing him. See, sinners don't like to stand in the presence of righteousness or holiness and certainly don't want to be told by some holy God how we should or shouldn't live and certainly don't want him pointing out our sins. So we aren't just neutral nobodies. We're hostile enemies to God and we will will defend our sin. We will guard our sin and nothing will change for the rest of our lives opposing God, defending our sin, going our own way, if nothing changes. But you're actually here because you know that something changed. You're here because you know that actually you changed, that God changed you. 
The very God that we were, again, not just neutral, but opposed to, hostile toward, is the same God who has said, no, that just won't do. I'm not going to let you remain a hostile enemy to me. I am going to take you and I'm going to bathe you and wash you in the blood of Jesus Christ. Your sins are going to be forgiven and you no longer are my enemy. The God that we stand again and again, just like the Israelites throughout the book of Judges, repeating this cycle, opposing and and wandering away from him, just as we do in our own lives, is the gracious God who says, no, unless I make the change, unless I do something about it, you'll always remain a nobody, and eventually, that's how your eternity would be too. But he changed something. He changed you by taking on flesh and blood. I mean, you want to talk about God doing big things with with very little things. Isn't that really how the whole plan played out? It was nothing but a little child born in little no-name Bethlehem to little no-name parents. Now, he himself was not a nobody. The God-man, Christ Jesus, God in the flesh. But the way the world viewed him, he was insignificant He was a nothing. He didn't matter at all. And even the way that he died uh, on a cross, one individual on an otherwise normal Friday. And yet that event changed everything. Changed you, changed me. Hell, because of that Good Friday, lost its hold on every nobody, on every enemy. And because of the empty tomb that on Easter Sunday was open, so has heaven been open to every nobody who has ever been born into this world. And it welcomes anybody who through faith in Christ Jesus knows that they have been made somebody. So God took you and now has made you as valuable as you could ever be. In fact, God has done for you more than you could ever achieve or accomplish on your own, making you more valuable. And the price that he paid proves your worth to him. That he would die for you, that he did die for you. And now he set you apart. Then he says, now you are, are ready. Now I can use you. Not because of anything you've done, but because of everything that I have done. Now God is able to use a nobody like you and me to accomplish anything that he desires. We heard it in our gospel too. It's really the way that God operates. God can do much with little. God can do big things with so little. Jesus did it as he took just a a few loaves of bread and fish and fed thousands. And before that, the wedding at Cana, he took just... Water, plain old ordinary water, made it into something magnificent. That's how God operates. That's what God did in the life of Gideon to rescue his his people. You look at, at that account of Gideon, and it's almost as if God went out of his way, went above and beyond to emphasize with an exclamation point how little he actually needs to do amazing things. Because the the 450 to 1 differential between the two armies, it didn't start that way, right? Remember that it started out, Gideon had 32,000 people. God still said, 
No, that's too much. Even though they were still vastly outnumbered by an army of 135,000, 32,000, he said, that's too much. Gideon, I want everybody that's fearful, everybody that is terrified of going into battle, you tell them they can turn around and they can go home. They don't need to fight. And just like that, an army of 32,000 was cut down to 10,000. And God says, what? Ah, no, no, still too much. There's just enough there that those Israelites would would maybe think that they did this. Let's absolutely rule out that possibility. Go have every one of your soldiers get a drink, and here's how you distinguish. The way that they drink is going to determine who's going to stay with you and who's going to be sent home. And God weeded all of those 32,000 soldiers down to an army, again, if you can call it that, of 300 men. 300. And with those 300 men, he rescued his people. Now, you might say, well, wait a minute, if you're familiar with the account of, of Gideon, there's a handful of times that, that Gideon asked the Lord for a sign. Now, to be fair, oftentimes in Scripture, when, when people ask for a sign, it is because of a lack of faith. It is because of, of doubt. In Gideon's case, it's not so much, it doesn't appear to be that Gideon doubted what God could do, but Gideon knew rather who he was. And so every time he asked for a sign, and two times he worshipped immediately after that, but every time he asked for a sign was as if to, to give him the confidence that, okay, yes, Lord, I know what you can do, but I'm also now confident that you actually mean to use me to do it. So it wasn't as if he doubted God, but doubted himself, and God gave him sign after sign after sign, saying, yes, Gideon, you. Now what does that say about, about your own doubts, about the way that you think about yourself. Too little, too insignificant. You don't have enough of this or that, or you're not good enough, you're not special enough, you're not, you don't measure up. God can't use somebody like you. If you think that you aren't good enough, if you think that you can't do anything, do you realize the problem there? You're focusing on the wrong person. Stop focusing on you. Because you don't ever do anything. God does it. God uses you. God does it through us, but God does it. And he made that absolutely clear when those 300 men of Gideon didn't even need a single sword. They had trumpets and torches. And God turned the army inward against itself and were thoroughly routed. God is the one doing the work. So do you think that you're not smart enough? Do you think that you're not old enough? Do you think that you're too young? Do you think that you're too old? Do you think that you're not experienced enough? Stop thinking about you. And start thinking about the Lord, who is the one who is able to do much with so very little. Let the world have those individuals that wrestle with whether or not they're good enough to, do, to accomplish this or that. Let God's church be filled with bold believers who place 100% of their confidence in the Lord and what He does through us. And walk away today with the confidence that if God can do big things with little, then God can do big things with you.
Amen.